Hello, this is Steve Papa. I'm the CEO of Parallel Wireless, and I believe 5G is going to change the world. All right, Steve, and you know, I've been covering Parallel for a number of years, working with you and your team, but I like to use this podcast to get to know people a little bit better. And to do that, we've got this recurring segment where I ask our guests three questions from the Proust questionnaire. And um, just for the sake of the audience, this is uh, a cold read. So these are going to be candid responses. So question number one, Steve, what is your favorite journey? Uh, my favorite journey is the innovation journey. In particular, when you can reframe problems in new ways and find new connections and solutions. Um, it's where I spend most of my time. Um, I feel fortunate I get to spend a lot of time on it, but that is the, that is the thing I love to do. And question number two, what is your most distinct characteristic? My most distinct characteristic would be the breadth of my curiosity. I think most people would um, remark on. Um, I, I just like to constantly learn. I've over-indexed my day to be learning as much as I can. And, um, and that's what I love to do. And again, I feel fortunate I get to do that in pursuit of things like our ORAN journey at Parallel Wireless. To give you an example, I, rem I can remember the moment about six or seven years ago when thinking about the wireless infrastructure and people were talking about small cells and I said, the future of the small cell is the macro cell. Moore's law makes it so, which meant the ongoing progression of Moore's law would make it easier and easier and more and more of this stuff gets, gets compressed. In many ways, that's what an ORAN radio is. It's almost like just a, a, a small cell sitting on the top of the tower. And question number three, Steve, what is the quality you most like in a person? Uh, well, there are many qualities that I appreciate and value in people. I'll go with conscientious and thoughtful, um, as I think those are, you know, those are just, you know, um, very important qualities that make a difference no matter what someone does. Excellent. Thank you for going through that with me. Now, uh, to this question about will 5G change the world, let's maybe take stock of where we are before we get into where we're going I think from my perspective, one of the line items on a big picture description of what 5G will be is the notion of an open software composed network. And right now, a lot of that focus on disaggregation is at the radio access network. So Steve, if we set aside maybe the market and regulatory piece, because we'll circle back to that. So from purely a technological and a network economics perspective, why is this open RAN construct advantageous? Well, one way to think about it is the earlier G's were coverage technologies. 2G and 3G were about how do I cover all the dirt, okay? And so you have a seamless mobility experience. 4G, it became a capacity technology and 5G even more so. But what you can see is the economics of a coverage technology and architecture don't scale well as a capacity architecture, okay? So the entire business models of the incumbent vendors don't work and or don't map to what 
that people deploying the equipment require given the, the economic realities, okay? Um, so that's the first thing. The, um, the second thing is, you know, it's, if you just think about why is there, well, it's because it's low cost. So you don't have to overthink where you put all of these things. As we look at 5G, that type of mentality is coming to licensed spectrum you know, provisioning versus just unlicensed spectrum provisioning. And that will lead to a lot more capacity, which is what we need. So now I wanna talk about some of these market and regulatory conditions. Uh, before we got on the call, I tried to make sort of a brief list of all the factors that I am tracking as things that are influencing open RAN. And it's a, a long list that got out of hand quickly, but maybe I can try to encapsulate this. You know, telecoms emerged as this proxy front in a larger and ongoing trade dispute between the US and China. This has resulted in funding mechanisms to facilitate rip and replace of some Chinese gear deployed in the US. And simultaneously, there's this conversation about the federal government taking a more broad interest in fostering domestic network technology expertise. So maybe, Steve, can you help me contextualize what all of that means generally for the open RAN ecosystem and the kind of collaborative innovation that we see there? And what specifically does it mean for Parallel? All right. I'm going to struggle to remember all of that, but let's, let me give it a shot, okay? So the first thing to recognize is China has a national economic strategy called China 2025. And one of the markets that they're targeting to dominate in is in semiconductors, okay? Now, this is different than the free hand, the invisible hand of competition, right? Generating innovation and new products. In this case, it's a state actor tilting the playing field to alter the economies of different countries and alter different markets. In that context, you see Huawei getting a lot of resources, and in particular, a lot of investment in semiconductors. Okay, they've been insourcing more and more. Okay, contrast that with the Western world, where as a result of China tilting the playing field, as well as some other factors, there has been less and less investment in semiconductors in the Western world in terms of innovation. Okay. What is going on is ORAN is exposing this to more innovators to participate, which is good. But more importantly, is the US government's waking up to its role in supporting the semiconductor you know, uh, market. Um, if you go back to the 90s, it was the Department of Defense that drove the innovations in supercomputers, which led to the innovations in the data center. Right? That was their historical role. It was only when the commercial market was able to do it on their own that, and lead the way that the DOD stepped back. In this case, our commercial market in communications uh, infrastructure equipment is being distorted by a state actor. So we can let that happen or we can counter in a similar way. Right? Another great example of this is you know, in the 1960s, Boeing had 80% share of commercial aircraft. It was only Europe creating Airbus that, you know, ended up 
you know, leading to sort of this 50-50 split, you know, notwithstanding the sort of the recent, you know, challenges for Boeing. Um, it took, you know, the Brazilian government was an intentional act to create Embraer, right? So that there's a third manufacturer of jets. Um, these things are not free market activities. So it just so happens that because the wireless network consumes so much, not only does it consume so many semiconductors, it accelerates economic development for both China, but also all the countries they want to influence. So when they make that investment in Huawei and semiconductors, there's a multiplier effect for them on a lot of their other agendas. Okay, that's what we're dealing with. Was that, did that cover most of your, most parts of that question? Yeah, that was a great response. And before I ask you another question, I'm going to make a few comments. Uh, one, I, I think that uh, to your point about Boeing, that uh, the aviation sector is another uh, major thrust of Made in China 2025. And I think a lot of what you said there is a good reminder to our listeners that if you're not familiar with Made in China 2025 and the Belt and Road Initiative and the overlap between the two, should take a look at that because it's very important to uh, global economics at the moment. So in terms of the world changing aspects of 5G, Steve, I wanted to highlight the work Parallel does in conjunction with its operator partners to deliver connectivity in underserved parts of the world. You know, this is something we talk a lot about internally at RCR and I'm sure our audience knows this, but it bears repeating. There's billions of people out there that don't have reliable access to broadband. This creates a hard barrier to accessing social infrastructure like education, banking, healthcare, and so forth. That needs to change, but for it to change, network economics have to change. So Steve Parallel's working with uh, Vodafone in the Democratic Republic of Congo. You're working with MTN in some of their African markets, and you're working in just some of the most remote parts of the world to deliver connectivity. So if Open RAN and 5G continue to see co-adoption, do we get closer to bridging this digital divide? For sure. I mean, I often say rural and 5G have more in common than 5G and 4G. And the reason why is 5G as a capacity technology means ever more cost or, or you need as much cost for fewer and fewer people of a coverage radius, okay? So, that's and that's the rural problem. Um, both face, you know, it's about the economics. The um, our largest network is about sixty thousand square kilometers right now um, in South America. Um, but you know, not many people realize four years from now, less than half the phones in the world will, will be able to make a voltage call on a four G network. Right? It's just these things take time. And so we have an all G world for a long period of time. And it's very critical that it's not just about 5G. It's getting really good, you know, 2G at much and 3G at much lower cost. That's upgradable to 4G and 5G as people's handsets are upgraded on a very slow cycle. Well, Steve, it's been great speaking with you and getting your perspective on some of these issues around 5G. And I also wanted to take a moment to uh, congratulate you and your team on the uh, GLOMO Awards that we uh, saw announced in February, although we weren't all together in Barcelona to celebrate, but well done. Well, thank you very much. Mm -hmm.
All right, Steve. Well, thank you again for answering the question. Will 5G change the world? Have a great day. Will 5G change the world is an Arden Media production. For advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kane. Thanks for listening.